do you agree that you know it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that did not know any better been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation <laughs> Well, it's another Wake Up with Casey. I'm Kimberly, and today I have an interesting uh, topic to, to discuss with you today because the, it's been like, I want to say a buzzword, anxiety, stress, and what if there's a misconception about anxiety, where it came from, and what can we do to change that? Today, I have a very, an expert and someone that has is doing things, writing books, workshops to help people like maybe you overcome anxiety. So please welcome David Stone. David, thank you for coming on this show today. I'm so excited because I would love your feedback and insight about this thing that's been a buzzword about anxiety. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you, Kimberly. I really appreciate you having me on today. And yeah, it talked about a buzzword. And, you know, we've had a year and a half now of COVID and uh, uh, anxiety has been all over the place and all kinds of talk about it and all kinds of things like, oh, drink some tea and breathe deeply and go for a walk in nature and have a weighted blanket and all those ways to deal with it. But I would frankly prefer just to simply not have it in my life at all, simply choose to not have it. And that's a lot of the work that I've been doing and really looking forward to sharing with your listeners. Well, I'm, I'm like so excited to even have this converse, kind of conversation because my intentions about this show, why I started this podcast was... You know, I talk about limited beliefs, mental programmings, even emotional, energetic traumas. Mm -hmm. And yep. it's been passed down from the beginning of our origins. And what if anxiety is one of those energetic, emotional traumas that is in all of us? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's uh, we're. We're trained to be anxious right from the very earliest days of our lives, and it's reinforced all the way around us. But what if, what if uh, we could opt out of it? And what if we could say, no, I'd prefer not to have anxiety in my life. Thank you very much. And uh, so many people, when they talk about it, it's just, well, it's a fact of life. Uh, I've got no choice. Everybody's anxious. No, actually, that's not true. And uh, I'm living proof of that because I went through, a, you know, a lot of my life having a tremendous amount of anxiety. And, and then, frankly, one day I got fed up with it. I said, that's it. I'm done. I don't want this anymore. And I set about to learn how to get rid of it. And I don't mean just dealing with the symptoms of it. I mean getting rid of it uh, completely. And uh, and I succeeded. And briefly give us a little background of your journey, you know, what you experienced, 
that led mm -hmm. that aha wake up moment when you decided to transform your life. Can you share that with us today? Sure, I'd be happy to. I am, I mean, you can just look at me and see I'm not 32, uh, but I uh, was, let me see, 55 years of age, 2009, uh, I had been working, I was a very successful marketing consultant. When I say very successful, meaning I was making a healthy six-figure income, working all over the country, working all around the world, actually. And yet, I uh, carried with me, right from childhood, uh, constant worries about money. That was my, everybody has their own go-to worry. Mine was money. And, uh, you know, it was sort of, yeah, today I can pay the bills. What about tomorrow? Tomorrow's going <laughs> to, it's all going to come crashing down on my head tomorrow. And I think that our beliefs become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, uh, and we attract these things to ourselves. And in, uh, at the age of 55 in, in 2009, I literally worried myself into homelessness. And I spent, uh, and fortunately it wasn't a long time, and it was in the summertime, but I spent a month living in my car. And uh, I uh, was... You know, there's all kinds of things that led up to it. But when I looked back at it, and at that time, I looked back and I said, all right, uh, this is the result of me being anxious and worried and focusing on all the negative things. Now, first, what you want to do, what I wanted to do was look for somebody to blame. Whose fault is this? Uh, you know, it, maybe it's the government's fault. Maybe it's the economy's fault. Maybe it's my client's fault, whatever. Maybe it's the alignment of the stars. But the more I looked and the more I thought about it, the more I realized that in everything that had led up to me being there, there was one and only one person present for every single decision and every action along the way. And that was me. And so that was a huge aha moment that said, okay, wow, maybe, maybe it's me. And, uh, and in that moment, uh, I took back the power to change something, to change it. Because as long as we blame, you know, as long as we're, we're feeling worry, feeling anxiety, and blaming it, whether it's on COVID, whether it's on uh, the economy, whether it's on uh, the weather, uh, whatever it is, as long as we're blaming some external circumstance, then we're completely powerless to do anything about it. Because until, I mean, you know, the, why am I anxious? It's because Kimberly is, you know, is behaving the way she is. Uh, which is really silly because until, if in fact it is the case that you're the cause of my anxiety, until you decide to change uh, for my benefit, I'm stuck. I'm completely stuck. I have no power over my situation at all. But as soon as I say, no, I'm going to take charge of it, and, you know, maybe the economy is tough, maybe it is raining, maybe what it, COVID is raging, but that doesn't matter. I'm still going to take charge. These are nothing but circumstances in my life, and I'm going to take responsibility from now on. And so uh, that was the moment when I said, okay, I'm going to take charge of this. I'm going to be responsible for it. And I'm going to figure out a way because this is awful. And, and that's the thing about anxiety. It feels awful. It's one of the worst emotions we can experience as humans. 
And uh, I said, I don't like feeling this way. I certainly don't like the results of it. And uh, so I said, I want to change this. And obviously, whatever I'd been doing up to that point had led me to where I was. I said, okay, I better do something different. And I kind of tossed it out there to the universe and said, well, what? I'm wide open to some new approach to my life because what, what I've been doing has gotten me this result and I'd prefer a different result, thanks very much. And almost immediately I started, uh, things started to come into my life that were keys to, to the solution. And essentially what I did is I entered a phase where I started studying worry and fear and anxiety and self-doubt and all those kinds of emotions. I started studying them with books and with seminars and with uh, um, programs that I watched and listened to and with listening to speakers. And I, I sort of took the attitude, I'm a, a scientist. I said, I'm going to study anxiety like, like you might in a laboratory. Here's a blob of anxiety sitting on my laboratory bench and I'm going to look at it under a microscope and I'm going to dissect it and see what it's made up of. And what I discovered is that uh, anxiety is a mental choice that we make. The problem though is that we've all made this choice so often and for so long and so many people around us also make the same choice that it has become a totally subconscious habit that we're completely unaware of, and it simply seems natural to us, and so we don't question it. Nobody ever questions whether, this, you know, is anxiety something that I have to put up with? Well, I started to question that, and what I discovered is that we do have a choice. We can make a different emotional choice in any situation whatsoever. And with that, I found a way out of anxiety because anxiety is simply a response to circumstances that we find ourselves in. It's the external circumstances. How do I choose to respond to those circumstances is what determines whether I feel anxiety and, and uh, worry or whether I feel confidence and joy. Well, um, let me ask you something because you, you mentioned something about being trained to worry from birth. Yeah. And through your study and research, because I mentioned about emotional energetic traumas mm -hmm. and coming from a woman's perspective, you know, getting pregnant, carrying a child for 10 months. Yep. Is there some truth that if the mother was experiencing anxiety going through stress, being an abusive relationship. She created emotions, feelings, and the energy that also the unborn child is experiencing as well and then comes to birth already feeling it, not even knowing what is really going on. So that anxiety just keeps passing forward, passing forward, passing forward. Would you agree through your study and research? Yes, that is entirely true. However, the difference is that that child who becomes uh, an adolescent and then an adult uh, has the ability, if this is not biological, this is uh, mental and emotional. 
and that child uh, who becomes an adult has the ability to look at their life and say, uh, you know, do am I enjoying this? Is this serving me? And would I be better off without uh, these emotional responses that I have to things? And the truth is they can make additional uh, di different choices. Now, it has been, it, you know, they were trained from birth. And even people, you know, even if you, your mother was in Zen state throughout her entire pregnancy and everything was just fine, the moment we're born, what happens is your parents, rightly so, start to look after you and protect you. And the, the, the messages that we get as children are, oh, oh, oh don't, don't talk to strangers. Oh, don't touch that. They might have germs. Uh, you know, oh, oh don't, don't go there. Those, those people are a bad influence. And we hear all these messages that tell us that the world out there is a bad thing. Now, when you are six years old and you're walking home from school alone, don't talk to strangers is really good advice. But if you're 36 or 56 and you still are anxious about talking to, you know, meeting new people and I'm too shy, that's, you know, that's problematic. And so what we need to recognize is that these are simply mental uh, habits that we've made all along. And then it's reinforced by the world. Uh, you know, we're, we're taught as children about all the things we should worry about. And as adults, I was uh, in, an air, in airports last week, I was traveling, and there are those monitors, there's those, you know, the constant blaring of CNN or Fox News or whoever, telling me all the horrible things that are going on. And, oh, this terrible thing is happening, and you should be worried about that, and we're concerned about this right now. And so it's reinforced over and over and over again with us that we're supposed to be worried. The rest of the world is worried. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you worried? And so, you know, and, and I love the way they introduce the news. Here's what you need to know right now. And then I, oh, 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 I better pay attention. And it turns out that what I need to know right now is that there's a typhoon on the other side of the planet. Why do I need to know that right now? Why do I need to know it at all? And yet it's put to me and presented to me in a way that raises my blood pressure and bring, raises my anxiety levels uh, to, uh, to very uncomfortable levels. And so I'm on constant alert. Now, it's in the study, in the work that I, or the studying that I did, uh, I learned an awful lot about anxiety. And one of the things I learned is it is a subset of fear. Now, fear is an interesting, a really interesting topic. And fear is, can be enormously useful. And the origins of fear, biological origins, you know, let's go back millions of years when we were running around in the savannah and the saber-toothed tigers were trying to eat us. Fear is a useful biological response. So when your senses, your eyes or your ears or whatever, sense some kind of impending danger. So again, a million years ago, I was walking along and a saber-toothed tiger's jumping out of the woods. Today, I'm walking along the sidewalk and I go to cross the street and I look and there's a bus coming and it's going to hit me. Now, that will induce a fear response. And it's real handy that it does because what happens? Your body is beautifully designed. Your eyes say, uh-oh, bus, ah! 
and your body instantly reacts and you pump adrenaline, you pump cortisol into your system. These hormones are designed to respond to fear and what they do is they prep your body for action. So suddenly your heart rate goes up, your breathing rate increases, you actually become stronger. Uh, your muscles, become, you know, we've all heard stories about the mothers who lifted the car off a child. And, you know, so this is how your body responds. Our reflexes speed up. All of these things are designed to get us out of that danger situation. And so you see the bus, your body preps itself, you jump back onto the sidewalk, the bus goes by, whew, the danger is passed. Now at that point, your blood pressure goes back down, your heart rate goes back down, your breathing goes, and everything goes back to normal. Now that's the fear response, which is really, really useful. But here's where anxiety is a little different. Anxiety is a, is a response to what we perceive as a danger, but the danger is somehow more vague or off in the distance in the future somewhere. So I'm thinking about uh, my, my finances in retirement. Oh no, am I going to have enough? Am I going to save enough? You know, what happens if the interest rates go down and my, my savings go away? So, you know, there's no danger right now. There's nothing going on right now. This thing we're worried about is years ahead of us in the future. But your body can't tell the difference. Your, you know, your brain is saying danger. Your body says, okay, I know what to do in danger situations. And your heart rate goes up and you're, you pump this cortisol into, into your system. But the danger doesn't pass. Your mind is still focused on this terrible thing that might or might not happen, but your body stays prepped for danger. And so we have this chronic fear, which we call anxiety, and that has some really terrible side effects. Uh, you know, first of all, it, it can literally make you sick. Uh, Long-term, you know, chronic anxiety and heightened cortisol levels in the body are really, really damaging to us. Uh, the other thing that does, though, is it makes us, um, we, it makes us shrink uh, mentally, emotionally, all the rest, because suddenly we're playing, you know, in a sports analogy, we're suddenly playing defense. We're watching out for it because something's going to hurt us. So we, we pull back, we shrink, we don't try new things. And so our potential, our human potential is compromised as well. And we, you know, we hide under the covers rather than going out and pursuing our dreams. And that's where, you know, the fear becomes anxiety and it just stays long-term. But when everybody else around us is doing it, we think this is normal. So, oh, I guess I can't do anything about it. But as I say, I, I, I got tired of it and I said, I want to do something about it. So I learned how to make a different set of choices. And now I teach that. Wow, that's impressive. And, you know, I'm a, I have a mentor, Dr. Joe Dispenza. I'm sure you've mm -hmm. heard of him. Yeah, yeah. And, and you were talking about, you know, fear, the, it's the flight, fight or flight kind of syndrome that changes the biochemistry in our bodies. Yeah. And he gave a perfect, like, I don't know if it, a metaphor or um, analogy. You know, if you look at deers, just perfect example, yeah. a deer 
grazing in the grass, eating and whatnot, and all of a sudden, here comes, you know, a, uh, I want to say werewolf or a, a predator getting ready to yeah. pounce at it. It shifts yep. its body chemistry. It's thinking of uh, a safe place mm -hmm. uh, and uh, their body and how much time do they have? And they just go for it. Then yeah. the ordeal's done mm -hmm. and they are back at grazing the grass. He goes- That's right. And, and it's very interesting. Deer don't get ulcers. No. They, they, get, a, they get frightened and then they react. And then when the when the danger's gone, they just relax right back down again. We, however, you know, continue to stay frightened. And to me, fear is the acronym for me. I think I got this from Tony Robbins. Yeah. False evidence appearing real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you know, it's a great acronym. And so we are projecting. We're we're saying I know what's going to happen in the future which is kind of arrogant on our part, I think. Uh, I know what's going to happen in the future, and it's going to be bad, so I'd better be afraid of it now. Uh, but but the how, you know, how many things in our lives have we worried about never came true? The vast right. majority of things never come true. Absolutely. And, yeah. And it's part of the, the, we not only do we program our mind, but we're also programming our body to where anxiety and fear and stress becomes the drug because our body's mm -hmm. so familiar with it. It, if you try to change it up, it's unfamiliar. So a lot of people go yeah. back into that old familiar, I guess, state of being, being in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because we talk about comfort zones and for many, many people, there's nothing comfortable about that zone at all, but it's familiar. Uh, it, you know, it's not comfort. I call it a comfort prison uh, because it's got these big walls around it and we don't dare step outside that. But it's, and again, it's not very comfortable. I mean, we, we hear about people that uh, stay in abusive relationships or in jobs that they hate but I'm too afraid to try and step out of this. You know, my, this zone isn't the least bit comfortable, but at least it's familiar. Um, right. I'm looking, I, I love your, uh, your poster beside you that you've got on the flip chart written there. Uh, she believed she could, so she did. Now, and, and I love that and it's so powerful, but we could, we could demonstrate, and this is, this is how fear and anxiety works, if you, instead of saying she could, she believes she could, she believes she couldn't, so she didn't. Uh, you know, all we have to add is an apostrophe T <laughs> on both those words, and, uh, and it shifts the whole thing, but that's just as true. And for the, most people believe they can't, so they don't. Most people believe that the world is out to get them, so they behave accordingly and they cower in fear. And uh, I just don't like to live that way. I'm right there with you. Either do I. And you um, have something that you, like a, can you share a two-minute demonstration 
that shows how anxiety weakens and even the strongest person and how to reverse it instantly. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be great. But, and what, what I'll do is I'll describe the method and then your listeners can try this for themselves at home, all right? So what you do is, it, and you need two people for this. And you stand, just stand up and whichever your dominant hand is, right hand, left hand, so I'm right-handed, so my uh, stick it straight out like that. You know, it's, that's it. Then the person stands behind you, your friend put, stands behind you, and press their hand on your wrist like this, and you should you want to resist that that uh, motion, okay? So they're going to push down on your wrist, and you resist and push up. And unless there's some kind of injury or whatever, uh, and unless they're standing on your wrist, we're all pretty strong and we can resist that motion. So that's sort of establishing the baseline. The next step is to ask them to think about a situation that they feel really strong about, feeling really excited about, something they're proud of. So maybe it's a, uh, you know, Remember back to when you fell in love. Remember back to, you know, when you graduated and got that degree. Whatever it is, something that makes you feel, yes, and, and you feel powerful and strong. And then while you're thinking of it, have your friend press down in your wrist. And it'll be like pushing down on an iron bar. You cannot budge it. Then what you do is ask the person to think about something that they're worried about. So if they're, you know, if they're worried about their health, or if they're worried about their finances, or if they're worried about a relationship, think about that and get the, into the feeling space of, you know, oh, oh dear, you know, the, the way you feel at two o'clock in the morning when you're lying there, get your head into that. And then try have repeat the exercise and your arm will just fall like a rock. They, with no effort whatsoever, you'll not be able to resist that motion at all. And that demonstrates how the, the, the anxiety just drains the strength right out of us. And I encourage your uh, listeners to give that a try because it's such a graphic demonstration of the effect that uh, anxiety can have on us and, and worry and fear because, you know, then... Uh, what happens, we're saying, well, I need to, uh, in order to overcome this situation, I need to, uh, you know, change, I need to go and look for a new job, or I need to go and work out more, because I'm worried about my health, I need to exercise. But the all, the, all the, because we're so worried, our energy level is so low, I, I just don't have the energy to do the things that I'm supposed to do. So it becomes this vicious circle that goes down and down and down. And that's why I want to fill my head with really wonderful, uplifting, positive thoughts. I do not watch the news, ever. Uh, I, I don't like the news. I don't find it the least bit useful. If there's something that's going on in the world that I really need to know about, I'll find out. You know, <laughs> I'll be informed one way or another. But to stay glued to that, it becomes addictive that we, you know, we're watching this and, oh, here's this bad thing. And here's this bad thing about politics. And here's this bad thing about uh, the climate. And here's this bad thing about uh, on and on and on. And uh, I just don't need to know that. Now, that, I'm not naive. I know that stuff happens. 
but I'm going to spend my life focusing on working uh, to reverse those things. And that all starts here. And then I can spread it out to one person at a time by sharing it. And now we've both got a little bit more energy so we can take on new projects that are important and, and we can uh, bring excitement to it. I also don't allow um, toxic people near me. You know, in, you know, if I meet somebody and that, you know, there's a, I call them the, uh, the complainer club. You know, we've all seen the, the, you know, people you say, oh, hey, good morning. How are you doing? Oh, it's bad. You know, what a beautiful sunshiny day. Oh, yeah, but it's going to rain this afternoon. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have time for that in my life. I'm just are not. People that just not only complain, like being empathic, you can feel their energy. Oh yeah, yeah. The, and I just and just like with the news, like I try to be informed, you know, mm -hmm. not be ignorant of what's going on, but I read it. I get you know Apple News and I get other you know information of news of you know things that, especially the environment, you know, climate mm -hmm. and whatnot. I'm always because I'm wanting to put love back into it. So yep. it's like I'm trying to get my love energy back into the climate, back into, you know, because it's love is the greatest healer yep. of anything. So yes, it is. I just would, do you get like prints of like a newspaper or something nope. to keep you? No, you know? I, I have a number of websites that I follow that focus on good news. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, there, there's one uh, that I really like. It's called Reasons to Be Cheerful, reasonstobecheerful.com. And, uh, you know, they, they search out all the really cool stuff that's going on because as much as we hear about all the negative, there is far, far, far more positive things. There's far more amazing things going on. I mean, what was it on, on Saturday? Richard Branson. He went oh, yeah. space. <laughs> How cool is this? You know, and here's a guy that set his mind to doing something, and now he's going to open up. You know, he's working at Hey and and uh, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. They're they're taking all the the buzz that they've managed to get and pouring it back into amazing research and stuff that will help humanity expand itself, perhaps become you know interplanetary uh, species, uh, and in the meantime, what are, you know, all they tell us about is the bad news. Um, there's far more good stuff going on. And so you can Google and you could, you know, just Google good news. And there's all kinds of websites that publish that. I love listening, looking at those things and the work that's being done by so many amazing people. And yet it, it doesn't make the headlines and it doesn't make the 10 o'clock news. Well, and, and the why? Why do you think that is that way? Why not have more good news than bad news? Why is it that way? Because people, uh, humanity has built into its biology something called a negativity bias. And that comes, again, from millions of years ago when we were walking around and we were just as much uh, the meal as the eaters. And uh, we had to be prime to watch out for bad things happening. And so our, our brains are designed to see uh, danger. We've talked about this before. 
And, uh, and so this negativity bias makes us more attracted to things that are uh, not attracted, but it grabs our attention more quickly um, to things that are potentially dangerous. We also love the drama. And so the, the people that are putting out the news, uh, they're not doing it for altruistic reasons. They're a commercial enterprise. They're trying to sell advertising. You know, if it's a TV station, they're trying to sell advertising. And the more eyeballs they can have on the screen, the more advertising they'll sell. And I'm not being cynical. I mean, they're welcome to do that, but I just choose not to participate. And uh, But the reason that you don't see it is nobody, want, nobody watches good news because the bad news, we, it heightens us. You know, we all feel revved up. And as I say, uh, drama is just uh, far more, tragedy is far more interesting to humans than is uh, good news. I hope we evolve out of that and I'm working hard to try and train ourselves. I believe you know, we, can, we can train ourselves. We're an incredibly intelligent species and we get to make choices. I get to choose. Yes, I see that, that uh, news item uh, is a very negative one. I'll turn that off. Thank you. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I do the same when I, you know, for entertainment, if I'm watching movies, I love watching movies, but if you're, if you're going to put on something that is all, you know, is depressing or sad or is uh, violent, no thanks, I'll turn it out. I, I, I'll watch anything by Pixar all day long, you know, and it just, it just make me laugh and make me smile. And as a result, I feel great. And I, and I live my life that way. And, and that, uh, I mean, I just had a, my physical, I'm 67 years old. And everything is perfect. My blood pressure is like, you know, that much. And uh, I, I feel great. And I ascribe a, a tremendous amount of that to the fact that I don't carry stress around with me. And I don't carry anxiety. Now, previously I did. Uh, but then I said, I don't like what this is doing to me. I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the way uh, it makes me behave. I don't like the way I show up with other people because, of course, now I'm anxious. I'm going to be um, uh, probably a little bit snippy with you, and I'll probably not be terribly friendly because I'm I'm thinking, oh, you're what are you trying to get from me? So I'm going to be defensive against you, and now now you know I'll be watching out that you're going to attack me, rather than being, as you say, empathetic and and listening uh, and the chances of building us building a good relationship are much higher when I bring that attitude towards it. Well, would you agree that, you know, creating a new mindset, uh, a different thought, like that's exactly curious, what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Be curious. You know, what if your thought uh, might not be true? Yeah. Well, that's um, just because it's a thought that you thought doesn't mean it's necessarily uh -huh. true, especially if it's a in a negative way or even mm -hmm. a more familiar way of yeah. constantly replaying that over and over and over. And even Dr. Joe says we're living in the past emotionally, mm -hmm. physically, oh, we, mentally. We carry that around with, yeah, we carry the past around with us everywhere, and that you know 
makes us dis, uh, informs the decisions that we make about make for the future, and as a result, it's not very good decisions that we make. There's really three steps uh, involved in removing anxiety from your life, and and it's good that you talked about having different thoughts. And the first step is to educate yourself all about uh, anxiety, how it works, how it got introduced to you, how it gets propagated and to sort of remove yourself. And this is why I said earlier that I, I take the view of a scientist. I want to be very objective. I want to be very sort of arm's length about it because anxiety typically is, uh, you know, it's wrapped up. It's who we are. And, uh, and so I want to have more of a distance from that. Here's an interesting example of how anxiety becomes who we are. Let's say that you are, it's dinner time, you're in the kitchen, you're preparing dinner and you're chopping carrots or something and the knife slips and you cut your finger. Now, it hurts. It really, really hurts. But it's only your finger that hurts. And your left foot feels just fine, but your finger hurts. Now, what do you say? You say, I have a cut. I have a cut on my finger. And so you go to the bathroom, you get some Neosporin, a Band-Aid, you put it on, and you know that, you know, it hurts right now, but two or three days from now, it'll be fine. It'll be totally healed up and everything's fine. But what happens when we, uh, when there's anxiety? We don't say, I have anxiety. We say, I am worried. So the cut is something you have, and I know that, it, you know, it's, it's just, it's temporary. Anxiety, though, is something I am. I am worried. I am frightened. This is my entire being. This is, def the, the definition of me is fear. And that's very different. And we treat that in a different way. And what I, by this sort of scientific approach, I want to let us be at a little bit more arm's length about that fear and anxiety to say, yes, I have some concerns. There are some circumstances going on that are challenging me. Hey, we all have that. <laughs> that mm -hmm. won't go away anytime soon. But, you know, you're cut. You don't, you don't cut your finger and say, oh, my God, my life is ending. That's it. <laughs> I'll never be whole again. No, you'll be fine. And we all have challenging circumstances, and they'll go away too. And what helps them go away is a, a, a good attitude. So the first step, step one, is that I want to uh, interrupt this pattern of thinking. I want to recognize that I have this habitual anxious anxiety response. I want to raise it up out of my subconscious and bring it into my conscious level so I can catch myself making those choices. On a regular basis, something happened. Oh, there I go again. Now I'm, oh, I kept myself worried. Now that happened. Now I'm worried a bit. So that's step one. And we experience ourselves. We are aware of anxiety we're having. Step two is I want you to experience life without anxiety. And there's an exercise that I take people in my workshops and, and such through. And the way we do this is I do a guided visualization for you. So all of us, when we feel anxious, it shows up in our body. It always shows up as some kind of rigidity. For me, it was always in my shoulders and my, in my neck area. I was always stiff there. And so 
I get people to sit quietly and close their eyes. And then I have them visualize the anxiety or the stress that's in their body. You know, it shows up different for everybody. For me, it was up here. Some people it's in their stomach. Some people they clench their jaws. Some people get headaches, whatever it is. So visualize this stress that's in your body. Now I want you to turn it into an object. So for me, it was like an iron bar that went from one shoulder tip to the other. I could picture this thing inside me. And it was, you know, and then I describe it. What color is it? How hard is it? What temperature is it? And then, and here's where it starts to get fun. I ask you, with your imagination only, to take that, for me, iron bar. I want you to shrink it now. Instead of being this long, make it this long. And now with your imagination, make it this long. And so it's touching, you know, it's gone outside my shoulder tips and it's touching both walls in the room. And now I shrink it back again. And now instead of a bar, I want to make it into the ball, a shape of a ball. And then, and again, I'm just doing all this with my imagination. And now I want to move that ball of anxiety and I'll move it around my body. So instead of up in my shoulders, I'll move it down into my left foot. And then I'll put it over in my right foot. And what we're doing here is instead of the anxiety controlling you, you're now controlling the anxiety and you're feeling what that feels like. And then, we've, you know, this goes on maybe 15 minutes or so, but we eventually get you to take this again, all with your imagination, take this ball of anxiety, now put it in your hand. Now it's like a baseball and you're just sort of holding it in your hand. You can feel the weight of it. And now, now set it down on the floor beside you and look at it as sitting there on the floor. And now pick it up again. And now imagine it instead of being a hard ball of something, imagine it sort of vaporizing, turning to dust and then into mist. And then just take a deep breath and blow it away and watch as it just sort of vaporizes and becomes mist. So I take people through this little exercise, this visualization, and I say, okay, now tell me about this thing you're worried about. And they say, I don't feel it at all. It's gone. You know, I don't feel the tension in me. I don't feel the, I can't, you know, I'm having a hard time worrying about the thing. And so what we've done is shifted who's in charge. Because for earlier, the anxiety was in charge. Now you're in charge. And you said, no, I don't want that. Thanks very much. It's gone. However, Anxiety is a habit, we said. It's a mental habit. And we've done it so many times. And as with any habit, it's going to want to come back. And right now, it feels great. I, oh, wow, does this ever feel good? Had one woman in a workshop, and she walked out, and she said, my shoulders aren't stiff anymore. This is so good. But of course, the next morning, it would be back again. So the third step is we have to develop replacement habits. Because any habit, good or bad, uh, can only, you know, we can get rid of it, but only by replacing it with a different habit. And so I want to have new mental habits. And there's three big ones that I want to replace it with. And the first one is gratitude. I want to develop a mental habit of constant gratitude. And you begin by waking up in the morning and you, you know, start a gratitude journal. Write down 10 things that you're grateful for first thing in the morning. And then you get into the habit of doing that. And then say, okay, lunchtime, I'm going to 
five more things that I'm grateful for. You know, I was really, in, I was really grateful for that great sandwich I had at lunch or whatever. And then slowly you start going on. I mean, I'm at the point now where throughout my entire day, I'm constantly looking at, wow, that's really neat. You know, I'm really, here I am. The, the sun came out. We had a little bit of a thunderstorm a short while ago, and now the sun's out again. And I'm grateful for that. I'm very grateful right now to Steve Jobs. Why? Because I've got this great little MacBook Air in front of me that's letting me talk to you and your listeners. And so we learn to see the world from a different set of eyes. Instead of, oh, the world's going to get me, I'm looking at all the things in the world that I think, wow, that my life is so much better as a result of these. So gratitude is the first mental habit. The second mental habit is something we call replace it with purpose. Ooh. And what, yeah, replace it with purpose. Because when you are anxious, all you're doing is, oh, oh you know, uh, I'm afraid, I'm playing defense, I'm on guard against all these things. But if you have a purpose, if you have something that you're waking up every morning that's really important for you to do. I mean, you've got this wonderful podcast that you share with people. And I'm sure there are some mornings when you think, ah, oh, this don't really feel like this, but it's important. It's bigger. It's bigger than you. And so you overcome the challenges. There are challenges that get in your way. I'm sure there have been and continue to be, whether it's technical or in touch with people or whatever. But your purpose is so important that you say, that's all it is, it's a challenge. Oh, okay, oh, there's a little roadblock. How do we get around that one? As opposed to, oh, I let that stop me completely. So when your mind is filled with purpose, there is no room in your mind for anxiety. And anything that comes along that's an obstacle is merely that. It's merely an obstacle. And now my mind is, how do I get around that? How do I get through it, over it, under it, around it? How do I take a different route? So again, when your mind is filled with gratitude, there is no room for anxiety. When your mind is filled with purpose, there is no room for anxiety. And the third step, the third mental habit that we replace it with is what I called instant action. Instant action. Now, you remember when we were talking about the oncoming bus. And your body mm -hmm. said, uh oh, and it prepped itself and it jumped out of the way. It did something. When you when it's two o'clock in the morning and you're lying awake and you're, you know, in that sort of terrified, uh, all, you know, the world is looming and you're worried about, uh oh, you know, this lump on my arm or, you know, this mole on my arm or my finances or whatever. Stop trying to get back to sleep because you won't. All right, it, it, you're not going to win that fight because now it just goes spirals down, and now you're worried about I'm not going to have enough sleep, and tomorrow at work I'm not going to be able to be good enough, and oh, I'm, you know I don't get enough sleep, I'm not going to be healthy enough, and now I'm worried about worrying. <laughs> so stop trying to get back to sleep. Get up, get out of bed. I don't care if it's two o'clock, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. Get out of bed, and this thing that you're worried about, I want you to go out into the living room or the kitchen, wherever, sit down and take some action right now in the next 10 minutes that will help, uh, that will attack this challenge that you feel you're facing. So let's say you're worried about health. You're, you're worried about your health. 
And, you know, I've got this mole on my arm. I don't know what, to, you know, what that means. At 2 o'clock in the morning, you know you can go on the doctor's website and make an appointment. <laughs> don't go on WebMD and start saying, oh, look at that horrible, you know. There's that, that worst case, you know, 0.0003% of people have this thing. Oh, that must be me. Do that. Take some positive action. If you're worried about your health and your blood pressure is high or something, at 2 o'clock in the morning, what can you do about that? You can go on and um, order yourself a Peloton machine. It'll be there tomorrow. It'll be delivered tomorrow. And you can start an exercise routine. If you're worried about finances, what can you do at 2 o'clock in the morning? You can sit down with a piece of paper and write yourself a budget for the next month. Because what, has, what you've done now is, again, you've shifted the dynamics of who's in charge here. Because before the anxiety was in charge, now you're in charge. I'm doing something about this. I'm taking action. So now I've written, here's my budget. It took me half an hour from 2 till 2.30 in the morning. I've written my budget. I feel excited about that. I feel empowered about that. And no, it's not the budget I want it to be. But nonetheless, I've made some decisions here. Here's how this is going to play out. And then before you go back to bed, write down two or three more things that you can do in the next 24 to 48 hours to uh, help you deal with this challenge that you're facing. Because what will happen now, you can go back to bed and you will fall asleep and sleep like a baby because you have taken charge. The anxiety no longer controls you. You're the one that's making the decisions and calling the shots. And that makes all the difference in the world. So those three habits again, number one, gratitude. We have to develop a habit of constant gratitude for every little thing around you constantly. Number two, um, replace it with purpose. What, what are you here for? What is it you're driving? It doesn't have to be huge and earth shaking. It can be very, very small. You know, maybe you love gardening. Maybe you love your cat. Whatever it is, whatever it is that is your passion, pursue that. Make that your reason for getting up every morning. Because when you've, when you've got that purpose, the, there's no room for anxiety. And then the, the, number three, that instant action. So the minute, the instant you find yourself, oh, here I am worrying about it again. Great. Drop whatever you're doing and do something right now. Tiny little step that can help you deal with that challenge because uh, now you've taken charge of it and you are the one that's calling the shots and the anxiety is no longer in charge. And, you know, do that often enough and the anxiety will say, okay, I guess this isn't, uh, <laughs> I'm not hanging around here anymore. I'm not welcome. And it goes away and you've developed a whole set of new habits. Yes, because there isn't there, is it safe to say and some truth in this statement People form habits, habits form their future. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yes, yes, yes. No, people, you know, our, we, our thoughts become habits, our habits become our behaviors, and our behaviors become our life. Absolutely, it's true. And we're creating our own personal personality, which is also creating our personal reality. Mm -hmm. And if, it has, if there's anything that has to change, you gotta start up in here and work on the inside for the outer side to change as well. That's exactly right. Exactly right. 
You've so you it. have a book that you published in October of 2019 called yes, Unsubscribe from Anxiety. There it is right there. Unsubscribe from Anxiety. Opt out of the myth that worry is required and take charge of your own life now. And it walks uh, through all these steps that I've talked about. It talks about that first step of where we examine it like scientists. It walks through the guided visualization, and then it walks through the replacement habits that we, and there are, there those are the three big replacement habits. There's 10 others that I talk about in the book as well. And so, uh, yeah. You have, uh, there is a link that's in the description on how they can get access to your book. Okay, uh, yeah, it's available on Amazon. Uh, and just go on Amazon and order the Bob, book. Bob, the, the, they should see the link uh, down below in the description to be able to get okay. access to your book. And you have a website, i-fearless.com. Yes. And do you have any upcoming workshops, virtual, that you're going to, you're doing? Uh, we're, I mean, COVID is on its way out. I'm hoping to get some live workshops going again. Um, but you can go out there. We have an online course. You can find it on the, on the website. The other thing that we have is a free Facebook group. It's called Fearless Living and Growth Society. And you can go on there and participate in the conversation and, you know, and get all kinds of these tips. We post every day. Um, and so there's all kinds of tips there. So the website, if you go to the website, you can find the book, you can find the uh, Facebook group, you can get in touch with me. And I'd encourage your, your listeners, if they want to talk about it, I respond to every email, every text. You know, if somebody wants to get in touch with me, I'm wide available. And I work with people one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching as well, in addition to the, uh, um, in addition to the workshops and the online courses, et cetera. Well, David, it was an insightful, learning, inspirational interview. Thank you so much for taking well, the time you. to share, you know, what you've learned and what you're doing to help others. And I encourage, you know, the audience today, if they are struggling with anxiety, stress or anything to reach out to you, join one of your workshops and get the book. So thank you again, David, for join, uh, joining us today. My pleasure. I really appreciate you inviting me. Well, there you go. We've had David Stone from iFearless. You can find all his information in the description. And look forward to another great interview with another great guest coming here on Wake Up With KC. I'm Kimberly. Enjoy your day. you agree that you know it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that did not know any better been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation <laughs>